Hi, I'm Josh Shearer and I serve as the lead pastor here at Gawley Uniting Church. I wanted to personally thank you for joining us today. We exist as a church to see lives transformed with the good news of Jesus. Now, I hope this service inspires you. I hope it blesses you. I hope it builds your faith and I hope it gives you perspective that God is moving in your life. If there is anything that we can do to help you, don't be afraid to reach out on social media or email our office. Thanks for joining us again and let's get to the service. Just so you know, that's what, and they're not done yet, that's what 25 young people looks like. And eight leaders. So I think that's worth celebrating. We love you guys. Have an amazing time. Kicking off a new series at the moment about hearing from God, about hearing the voice of God in our life. And I know that for some of you, you are already struggling with this title slide, with this image that's on the screen right now, because you say, Josh, which is it? Am I standing here or am I waiting to hear from God? Which is it? And I'm going to say it's both. And some of you are going, Josh, what are you talking about? Because you're not grammar people. But what, we, what I want to journey with us through over these next three weeks is exploring this, this significant uh, area of our discipleship, of our journey as followers of Jesus. Because we all have something or an experience in our life in some way of hearing from God. Or if we've not heard from God personally, we know someone who has. Or at least they told us that they did. And then that hearing from God can look like a whole bunch of different things. People might come up to you and say, oh, well, God told me this, that I needed to go to Hawaii. Or that I needed to travel to the Solomon Islands to serve in some way. Or that I needed to go on holiday. Or God told me that I needed to give away this. Or God told me that I need to go there. need to quit my job. need to apply for this job. You know, whatever that might look like. Some of you might have heard someone say, or you might have even said, God told me to do this. God told me to go there. Sometimes there's the advanced application of the God said Experience and it's the God told me to tell you. Anyone ever experienced that one? God told me to tell you that you shouldn't wear that. God told me to tell you to give something. God told me to tell you to to get, stop on stop that relation. Excuse me, to stop that relationship or to, you know. And sometimes if we're ever on the hearing end, on the receiving end of a statement like that, it's like, hey, well, I'm so glad that God took the time to tell you to tell me, but it would have been a whole lot simpler if God just told me. So maybe I'll just wait until God tells me what it is that you think I need to know. And if we're honest, some people that we know, and this is no one in this room I know, some people that we know use this sort of phrase to manipulate, to challenge, to control, even to avoid conversations that need to be had because it's easier to appeal to a higher authority and put the blame on them when it goes wrong. It's like God told me to tell you that you shouldn't wear that, but if you get upset, it's not my fault because God said it, right? 
We get to deflect. It's called plausible deniability in that way. And, the, and that's, so that's, but here's the really, the, the one that's perhaps been the most destructive. My notes are freezing here. That's fun. Um, the one that I think has been the most destructive in, in many ways is that God told me to tell you to give me something. And if I'm honest, it's, it's that statement that's probably done the most damage and offered the greatest challenge to this, to talking about this stuff, particularly as a pastor, as, as someone who's leading a church that, look, in many ways, Scripture has a great many things to say about what we should and shouldn't do with, you know, you know our finances and things like that. But the problem is that most of us, when we think of hearing the voice of God, we think of some sort of prophetic person with some sort of anointing on their life that speaks over you and tells you what you should and shouldn't be doing. And so that's why I thought it would be helpful for us to explore this idea. What does it mean to hear from God? What does it mean for us to explore this a little bit? And, and for some of you, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a curious thing. Because it's, it's not a, to be honest, it's, a, it's not a common thing to hear voices. And in our broader culture, when you hear voices, it tends to get the attention of mental health professionals in a lot of ways. And, and while we can sort of joke about that in some ways, it's actually a pretty significant thing. So I don't want to be trite with that, but just to say that it's an uncomfortable experience in our broader culture to hear things from, from beings or from people or from whatever that are not present with you or not in direct communication. So that's a, a strange thing to explore. But on the flip side of that is if, if you are not a follower of Jesus and you're exploring faith, you're here for a reason. You kind of assumed I'd talk about God. And so it might be helpful to know if there is a God and if that, if, can that God talk to us? Can that God communicate with us? And if that God that does exist can communicate with us, is there a way that that God communicates specifically, tangibly, and helpfully? And friends, the good news is I believe that there is. I believe that God does speak. I believe that God can communicate with us personally, specifically, clearly, and definitively. And now the other side of this, just to, to preamble all of this, this, this whole three-week series, the other side of this is that you might be here as a follower of Jesus, someone who's been following Jesus your whole life, and you say, I've never heard from God. Am I broken? How is it that everyone else gets to hear from God, but I never do? Is there something wrong with me? Did, I, did my baptism not work? Did... It, it, is there a disconnect? Is there something that's missing from my spirituality, from my journey of faith that means that I have not heard the audible voice of God? And friends, I've got to tell you, I'm with you, neither have I. Not as if God was sitting there next to me and spoke an audible voice. I've never heard it, although no, I know some of you have. And so I want to say that you're in good company as we explore this idea. There's nothing wrong with you. And so over these next few weeks, we're going to look at what it means, what it could mean for us to hear the voice 
of God in our life, a mysterious idea. And so to be upfront with you, I believe it's possible. But today, before we get into the, the how of and the experience of hearing from God, there's something that I want to cover, and I want to spend the rest of our time this morning covering it, and it's simply this. That before we can hear the voice of God, there's some things that we need to make sure are squared away. Some things that ultimately help us hear the voice of God. And I I do believe if we don't have these things right, we make it very, very hard for God to communicate with us. Not because there's something wrong with God, but because there's something wrong with our ears. Anyone ever had a toddler? You know that they can hear you, yet for some reason... There's a disconnect. I don't know if it's, there's a barrier between the, vo- your, the words that come out of your mouth and then them getting to their ears, or quite what it is, but there's something that happens, a phenomenon even. And it's apparently it's teenagers too. Yeah, I haven't got one of those, so I can't communicate, I can't share on that, but it's teenagers. It's everybody in some ways. And so we're going to have a bit of a look at this phenomenon of what it means. And so to, to explore this idea, we're going to be hearing from the life of Moses. Now Moses was a, a, a significant character in the Old Testament, a significant person in the narrative of God. And that brings us to this statement, here I am. When, when Moses, and we'll hear about this in, in future weeks, when Moses stands before God and he says, who am, I, who, who am I going to say sent me? Well, what's, what's your name, God? And he says, I am. That's all. That's all. That's all there is. I am. But we'll, we'll get to that. So to give you some background context, if you don't know who Moses is, Moses comes onto the pages of history at the start of the second book of the uh, Old Testament. Uh, was the, the Torah, the Jewish Scriptures, and it's called the book of Exodus. And so to give you just a really, really, really quick snapshot as to where we're up to in the story of God and His people, is that creation happened. That's the start of Genesis. Then what happens next? It all goes to custard, doesn't it? Sin enters the world, and then God has to devise a plan to get the world back to right relationship with him. And he chooses a man called Abraham. And through, he, he promises to Abraham that through your descendants, the entire world will be blessed. And that is exactly what God begins to take shape. And so through the lineage of Abraham, we see a whole bunch of things happen. Abraham and Sarah have a a son named Isaac, who has a son named Jacob, who has, who and these are the these are the patriarchs of Israel, the fathers. And it's and it comes to a moment when during a great famine, during a great it comes to a time that during a great oh hang on, let me take a step back. Jacob has a son. That son's name is Joseph. It's his favorite son. His other brothers didn't like it very much, so they sold him into slavery. Joseph lands himself in Egypt. The favor of the Lord is upon him, and he becomes eventually the prime minister 
of Egypt, interprets a couple of dreams. This is all really interesting stuff. You should read Genesis. Lots going on in there. Definitely worth a read. Interprets a couple of dreams, becomes the prime minister of Egypt and helps Egypt avert an extraordinary famine. And now the Israelite nation off elsewhere experiences that famine and then comes to Egypt to get, because they hear that's where you can buy grain. And they encounter, Joseph's brothers encounter their, old, their, their brother, Joseph, in that moment. And there's a reconciliation after some, some, uh, some trades and things like that. And, and then we find ourselves that Joseph, all the Israelites move into Egypt and start to multiply and do their thing. And then Joseph dies. And then a new Pharaoh comes. And then the position of Joseph and the favor of the Pharaoh both evaporate. And then fast forward 400 years, and the pharaohs over that time had decided that it was time to enslave this nation that seemed to be doing so well. And so we pick up a moment in the story that this Israelite nation, the one that God had promised to bless, or through, through whom God was promised to bless the world, we find them 400 years into slavery. That's like the 1500s, man. No, 1600s. What's my maths like? 1600s. Can you think, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how long it would, like how long's your memory? How long's your family's memory, your family's lineage? Can you imagine saying, we don't know what it's like to have a day off for 400 years as a nation? That's what slavery looked like. They were building bricks, building pyramids, all that sort of stuff. And so, We've got here, we pick up with a man called Moses. And Moses was born and was adopted by, he was adopted by the Pharaoh's daughter and is raised as a prince of Egypt. He's raised as Egyptian royalty. And while he's going about his day one time, he notices an Egyptian slave master abusing, perhaps more significantly than normal, a one of his fellow Israelites. And so he stands up for him and, and he gets so angry, he actually murders the slave master. And so here we find the prince of Egypt, now murderer. And someone oversees it, someone, or someone witnesses it, the CCTV footage or something's going on, someone put it on YouTube, I don't know what happened. But he gets found out. And then he has to flee. And he flees to the wilderness of Midian, flees from the wrath of Pharaoh. And it's this moment that we find ourselves in as we pick up Moses' story. This is before the Red Sea, the parting of the sea. We all know that one. It's before the plagues of Egypt and all that, you know, let my people go, all that sort of carry on. Before all of that, we pick up with Moses in this conversation in Exodus chapter 3. But before we do that, what I want us to help us understand is that we all have a picture of this Moses character, don't we? For many of you, if you've been around the church or certainly in the older generations, you'd recognize this as Moses. Have you got it for us, Em? What do we got? Moses. Charlton, is Charlton Heston, is it? It is. Yeah, some of, many of you would recognize this guy 
as Moses. This is the Moses from the, the movie The Ten Commandments. I don't even know if it was shot in color. I'm not sure. I think it was colored afterwards. But anyway, different story for another day. But that's, that's what we picture when we think of Moses, the, the brave leader, the, you know, all, all of that. He's got it all going on. Great beard. But then for the, if you're the younger generations, maybe my age or a little bit older, a little bit younger, you would recognize this as Moses. Look at that handsome lad. Prince of Egypt. Thank you, DreamWorks, for that gift. But the reality is, in this moment of Moses' life, this is what Moses looks like. Who's that? That's Harrison Ford from The Fugitive, isn't it? Because to be honest, this is who he is right now. This is his identity. He hasn't been caught yet, not officially. But this is the Moses that we see. Not a great leader, not a, not a significant sort of guy. This is a guy existing in exile. Fugitive from the law. One that you and I would not consider really, frankly, worthy of being in church, perhaps, on our more self-righteous days. And yet, this, in this moment, we pick up Moses. Now, Moses has been, he's now a shepherd, and he's been a shepherd for 40 years in the wilderness here. We pick up in Exodus chapter 3. Here it is. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. Now Midian was a polytheistic culture. They believed in multiple gods, but whoever this guy Jethro was, he was his father-in-law and he was someone that was in, interceded on behalf of the gods for the Midianite nation. And he led the flock that he had been entrusted to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to the place of Horeb, which was known as the mountain of God. And now we don't know, it, Moses didn't know this as the mountain of God at that time, not, not in, terms of the, uh, in terms of Yahweh, he knew this as the mountain of God in terms of the Midianite nation. Yet this is the exact same place that we know as Mount Sinai the mountain that he returns to to receive the commandments of God, the famous Mount Sinai. But Moses didn't know this is the mountain of God yet. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of or in the middle of or within a bush. Not particularly unusual. I've been to my fair share of bonfires. I'm hoping to go to one next weekend at camp. So it's not unusual for fire to be in a bush, not particularly. And he looked, and behold, well, he saw that. The bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. The bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. This is where it gets curious. See, for the Israelite people, fire had two primary purposes when it came to uh, God. Fire 
was there to consume things righteously and fire was there, so it was there for judgment and fire existed for refinement. It had two purposes as it related to God, for judgment and for refinement, to consume things or to perfect things. And so if the bush wasn't here being consumed, this fire had a different purpose. Interesting, and that'll, that'll be a theme that we follow along with right through this series. So the, so the, the bush was not consumed. And in verse 3, Moses says, I will turn aside and see this great sight and see why it is that the bush is not burned or does not burn up. Fire is a phenomenal thing. Who loves sitting looking at the fire? I do. Like, it's just something magical about it. I don't like them in strange places. I just find them, there's something compelling. You can sit and have really rich and meaningful conversations around a fire because you don't have to look at each other. You just look at the fire. The fire does all of your eye contact for you on your behalf, you know? That's how it works. It's really, really helpful for guys, if I'm honest. And so he turns aside to see why it is that this bush has not burned up. And verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, when he saw that he had turned aside to see, he did something. He called out to Moses from within the bush. And he called out, Moses, Moses. Now, I don't know if, what sort of voice it was. It doesn't really matter that much. But what I want us to pick up on through our time today is what happens before God speaks, what happens in this moment before it is that God chooses to communicate with Moses verbally. Now, let's, let's rewind and see it. And now, whenever Scripture repeats something, particularly in ancient Hebrew, it means we're meant to pay attention. So, let's read it again. Verse 3, and Moses said, I will go over and see, I will turn aside and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Continue verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, to turn aside and see, there it is. God called to him from within the bush. What, what do we see repeated? This phrase, turn aside to see, this phrase to look at what was going on over there is what gets repeated. Why is that significant? Well, this, this phrase in ancient Hebrew is made up of two words, sham together, sur and ra'ah. I don't know if I'm getting that right, but let's go with it. Repeat it after me. Sur, so S-U-R. Sur, roll it, that's it. And ra'ah. So it's ra with a surprise. Ra'ah. Sur and ra'ah. The first word means to turn away from something. The first term is to turn away from something. 
turn away, turn your sight from what you were looking at before. So whether he's looking at the mountains, whether he's looking at the sheep, whatever it was, he's looked away from that. And then the second phrase is to look towards something else. To look away, to avert our eyes from something and then actively turn our sight towards something else. We do it in one, in one motion, don't we? I'm looking away from the chairs and I'm looking at the wall. But it's two different things. And that's what the Scriptures wants us to pay attention to. To turn, so right in this moment, Moses turns away from what he was looking at before and turns his eyes towards the burning bush. And it was when Moses stopped and turned his attention to what God wanted him to look at that God chose to speak. Isn't it interesting? And isn't it true that when we want God to do something for us, when we want God to communicate with us, we work really hard to try and get His attention. We work really hard to try and get God's attention by doing the right stuff and trying to pray the right ways and, and communicate and to communicate and pray and pray and pray and pray. God, won't you notice? I need you to notice me. I need to be good enough for you. We do all of that sort of stuff, don't we? And yet what I find really interesting is that that's not what we see in this moment. And I think something that God wants us to see today and to hear today about what it means to hear the voice of God in our life is that you and I are focused on something. That each of us, each of you came here with a central focus for your life. It might even just be this moment in time. A central key thing of distraction, or it could be more than one, that has got your attention. And if we're honest, it could be that one thing that is stopping you from hearing the voice of God in your life. What am I talking about? Give me, give, me, give, me, give me an example, Josh. Well, here's one. What's that? What's on it? When you sit on the couch at night, how many screens are there present? What, what are you most looking forward to when you get to some quiet time? What is it that just seems to constantly capture your attention? In life, what are you constantly focused on? Is it, are you looking to build a future? Are you looking to save enough money to do certain things? Are you looking to go to something? Are you trying to run from a specific moment in your past? Are you trying to overcome a specific flaw in your believed identity? Are you trying to fight against a story that you were told as a child about who you are and all that you are worth in the world? Or maybe you're just put, trying to push through the, and you're fighting so hard. I wonder if, if we don't hear from God because perhaps we don't have enough space. Perhaps we don't have enough space in our life. Or 
perhaps the reason we struggle to hear from God is that we're not open enough to stop what we are doing or pursuing or striving for. Not willing to put down what it is that we're holding to give God our attention. We're not willing to sur so that we can ra'ah. I wonder. Because in this passage, God does something to, to capture Moses' attention. Make no mistake. There's a fire in a bush, and it's not burning up. That's worth checking out. So God's already done all that he needs to do to capture Moses' attention. The next bit's on Moses to pay attention to what it is God is already doing, has already done, and is continuing to do in your life to say, here I am, I want to have a chat. And our response, Moses' response was to turn aside and say, and it was in that moment that God speaks to him directly. It's in that moment. I remember, and this, many of you already know this story of me uh, leaving my previous job as a police officer and coming into the ministry and, and the significant journey that that took. One of the greatest gifts of that time, making the decision to, to move from one thing to another, was Eloise and I took a holiday. We were due to travel to the United States and be there for nearly a month traveling around, just doing stuff in general. And so we'd already booked the holidays, and I got a phone call the day before I was about to leave to say, hey, you don't know me, but we've got this job at a church. wonder if you'd consider entering the ministry. And I'm like, you know, I'm a police officer. You know, I've never done anything like that. I don't have any qualifications. And she said, I, I know that. Just get the sense you're the right person. And I'm like, if that's not a call from God, what is? I don't know. But to make the decision, my response was, I need some time. And so we, we went away on holiday. As I said, if the application process is still open in a month's time, then I'll consider it. And so I took some time, created some space, created some margin. And Eloise and I committed to over the time of our holiday, we'd have some fun, but also think really deeply about what it is that God was calling us, me, to do in this moment, knowing it would cost us a heck of a lot. Police get paid more than pastors, just so you know, particularly having to go back to going to Bible college and all that sort of stuff. And so it wasn't until, and I believe one of the catalytic moments, I did end up taking the job, by the way. Um, one of the catalytic moments, I believe the process that we had in making the decision which didn't make a lot of sense and was a little bit crazy in a lot of ways, and family didn't quite understand it in some ways, was the ability to create space away from what I'd, the job I'd always wanted to do. The only job I'd ever wanted growing up was a, to be a police officer. And so I was one. And so I needed the space. God took my eyes off of that job, that thing that I had decided was my crowning achievement of life. To, 
took my eyes off of it for a month so that I could see and hear and understand His will for my life. Because I'm convinced if I had not done that and if I'd just gone back to work the next day, I, I don't think, I'm not sure that I'd be here. I don't think I would have had the space to listen because driving far, cars fast and carrying a firearm are cool. They're fun. It's interesting. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure about that. I was 25. They're, those things are really fun. It's not until... And so I say that to illustrate one simple thing. That for many of us, what's required, what's missing for us to hear the voice of God in our life is to start, is to create some space. Is that we're so busy trying to get the most of life that we have lost control of our life. And in doing so, we've hindered at the ability for us to hear the voice of God. Do you know how I, what I found to be the best test to know if you've got any space in your life or not? What do you do when you're waiting to pick up your, your, your fish and chips? What do you do? Do you stand there and think? Or do you just sort of open something and scroll? This might be a, an indictment on the younger generation, perhaps. Or do you watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire on the screen? In the, at the edge of the chip shop. It's amazing what we fill our, the, our, the empty spaces of our life with. It's called noise. And I believe noise is the primary issue for us having the availability to hear from God. When was the last time you were bored? They're saying that our, the, my children's generation don't know what boredom actually is, which means it's going to rob an entire generation of cr the creativity that exists in the absence of someone else's ideas. And I wonder if in the absence of someone else's ideas, you just might get to hear an idea from the very mouth of God for your life. So do, have you created space? Have you, do you, is there an, a, a place that you need to create space or silence in your life to stop being distracted and to focus perhaps a little bit on what God might want to say. So that's the first thing. And the, sec and the second thing is there's something, and they're related but they're not the same, is there something you need to turn away from? Is there something in your life that no longer deserves your attention? Some of you are super uncomfortable right now. Because I've created space to allow God to prompt you in your mind with what that thing might be. Because for some of us, we are so consumed with something specific that it's not, it's not space that we need necessarily. We've got a bit of that. What we need to do is it's time for us to turn away. 
It's not just to look towards, but we need to turn away from something else. We need to turn away from, give over to God might be the other way to put it. Would be, is there something that you have been striving for, for maybe even years, an identity, something that you want to pursue, something that you think is the thing to achieve? If I just get that, then I will be happy. Perhaps for you, the challenge from this moment is to hear the voice of God in your life, is to hand that thing over to God and say, actually, God, I want to hear more from you about who I am and where I'm called to go than that than the sort of house that I need to live in, the sort of thing that my parents think I should be, the sort of whatever that thing is. Is there something or is it there's something I need to delete on my phone, an app? Friends, I've got to be honest with you. About two and a half months ago, I deleted Facebook and Instagram from my phone. I'm a millennial. It's meant to be wired to my, you know, DNA or something. And it is the most freeing thing I have done in recent years. Why? Because there was nothing good about it for my life. It wasn't adding any value. All it did was take my attention away from God and rob me of empty space. What is it that you need to look away from in your life? And I do believe that if you do, if you take this step, I believe that God is faithful. I believe that God is consistent. I believe that if you were to step away, if you were to create some space to step away from something that's held your attention for so long, I believe that God will speak. God will honor that thing. The challenge before you is that when you delete Facebook, don't download Instagram. When you delete Instagram, don't download TikTok. When you delete TikTok, don't download Candy Crush. We're really good at at getting rid of that other thing of focus and trying to find something else to fill the gap. I'm as guilty of that as anybody. So why do you need to create some space? And where do you need to turn your attention? Maybe not forever. Maybe just for now. To hear from God. Because I believe that God wants to speak to you. I believe that God has a plan for your life. I believe that God has called you to things that are significant. I believe that if we are not dead, we are not done. There is more yet that God wants to do in our life that's as true for me as it is for you. And I believe the beginning of hearing that calling upon our life is to stop and to see where God is already at work in your life, has been for years, where God has been faithful, where God has blessed you, where God has done wonderful things. And when you see that, and you give glory to God for who He is, I believe 
God will speak to you. And we'll hear more, and we'll learn more about what that looks like in the coming weeks. But for now, I leave you with this challenge. What is it that God's calling you to step away from? And where is it that God might be calling you to create some space in your week? Let's pray together. Loving God, I I give you thanks for your word. I thank you for the way that it speaks into our life. And, And Lord, it is so significant to think that you, the God of the universe, would speak to us. How extraordinary. What an incredible reality. And Lord, if we're honest, so often it's not that we, it's not that you're not speaking, it's that we're not listening. We've done so much to cram our life so full, we can't even hear your voice over the noise, over the white noise. And so Lord, I boldly pray this week, give us the wisdom and the, well, give us the grace to receive this truth in our life and not to think that it doesn't apply to me, it applies to everyone else. Give us the grace to receive it. Give us the wisdom to know where in our life you're calling us to create some space and to shift our attention. And I'll give us the courage to do it and to stick with it that we might discover perhaps for the first time the still small voice speaking love, speaking encouragement, speaking hope into our situation. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks once again for joining us. If this service has been a blessing to you, why not share it with someone you know, or better yet, post it on your social feed because you never know how God might use what you share to bless someone you didn't even know needed it. Special thank you if you contribute towards making this ministry possible. We are so grateful. If you'd like to help Head to gawleyuniting.org.au and follow the links to begin giving. God bless you and we'll see you next time.